Chapter Twenty Seven of Making Fate by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Seven: Old Acquaintances. In the act of making a respectful bow to the lady in attendance, the stranger stopped and stared, then spoke quickly. "I beg your pardon, but surely this is Miss Douglas." "Yes," said Glyde, the pink on her cheeks flushing up into her hair. "I am Glyde Douglas." and you i remember you perfectly it is mr burwell is it not that is my name he said in the tone of one who was very glad of it then he held out his hand we may shake hands surely we are old acquaintances are we not miss douglas it is a great surprise as well as a great pleasure to meet you again i have often wondered how i mean i was not aware that you lived in this part of the country i thought you were from the west my uncle said something about denver oh that is where my uncle anthony lives whose guest i was in new york but this is my home mr burwell you have made the acquaintance of my friend robbie he says thus reminded the astonished young man turned toward the waiting robbie and for the next fifteen minutes the boy had no occasion to be jealous of miss glyde as a rival the pockets of which there seemed to be many were filled with treasures not eatables this time except that there was one great juicy apple but little thoughtful things chosen evidently with a view to relieving the weariness of the long hours which the prisoned boy must have to pass alone glyde looking on all in a flutter of pleasure for robbie's sake saw how tender had been the thought of this strong man for the frail boy then too she could not help noticing how wise and cheery and helpful were the words he spoke did you learn that verse my boy he asked oh yes said robbie his great brown eyes seeming to grow larger and gentler i learned it right away that afternoon as soon as you had gone it is a beautiful verse miss glyde i didn't tell it to you i'll say it now as one whom his mother comforteth so will i comfort you isn't that nice miss glyde just for me you know mother is such a comfort to me there couldn't anything tell it to a boy like me better than that glyde and mr burwell exchanged glances of significant sympathy and tenderness for the boy then mr burwell said that's it my boy it is a beautiful verse for us fellows who have good mothers it was the first one that made me acquainted with the lord jesus and the comfort he was willing to be to people my mother you see had gone to heaven and i missed her oh more than i can tell it seemed to me sometimes that i could not live without her then one day i came upon this verse and it astonished me so much i had not thought that anybody could comfort a boy like his mother and to find that there was a great powerful one who could do anything that was right who had actually planned to be such a comfort to me as my mother was and promised it why i can't tell you what a splendid discovery it was yes said robbie i can think it out but you needed it awfully didn't you it doesn't seem to me as though i could live without my mother there was more talk some of it gay and frolicsome some of it sweet and strong all of it cheery in the midst of it glyde looked at her watch and made a reluctant admission 
robbie i am ever so sorry but i shall have to go now i promised my father to do an errand for him downtown at five o'clock and i shall just have time to get there mr burwell arose at once then we must both go robbie i have to be in a gentleman's office away down on burke street at five i had just this hour for you between times this afternoon miss douglas may i walk with you to your car or whatever route you take when they were on the street together she told him what she knew about robbie and his unfortunate accident and the sad outlook for his future and also of how glad she was that he had found him and put such brightness into a few hours of his life he listened to the story with such hearty sympathy and had ready so many suggestions calculated to add to the boy's comfort that glyde felt sure here was one who could enjoy her precious secret she unfolded it at once uncle anthony that same dear uncle who had taken her to new york did he remember him she had been writing long letters to him this winter about all her affairs but especially had she a good deal to tell him about robbie among other things she had told him that she was thinking and praying about a great wheeled chair for the boy such as he could himself roll along the streets she had sent for circulars and inquired as to kinds and prices she did not know whether she could ever raise money enough she was not acquainted with many people who seemed to have money to give but she was going to try she had asked god to help her think of the right ones to call upon i never thought of such a thing as asking uncle anthony to help glyde explained because he is not at all wealthy and of course there are people where he lives who need to be thought about my plan was to raise the money if i could in our own church and don't you think he answered the letter on the very evening of the day in which he had received it and he said in his own quaint way which is unlike any other person's that he supposed by this time the one of whom i asked direction had reminded me that i ought to use my common sense as well as my prayers and my common sense ought to have told me that he had a special corner of his heart set apart for the robbies of the world didn't i remember that aunt estelle's little brother who died was named robbie aunt estelle is my uncle's young wife he had her with him only a month after their marriage but he has loved her memory all his life and what do you think he put in his letter a check which will cover the entire cost of the chair the letter only came to-day and i've been in such a bubble of delight over it i just longed to tell somebody i went to call upon a friend to explain it all to her i wanted to ask a friend of hers to manage the correspondence about it for me but she wasn't at home and you are the first one i have been able to tell i had to keep quiet before robbie of course i thought it would be too much strain upon him to be expecting the chair for weeks perhaps those things are delayed so often so he doesn't know anything about it mr burwell was exactly the person for a confidence of this sort he entered into the scheme with the deepest interest not only but with refreshing energy he knew the spot of all others in new york where the best possible style of wheeled carriage could be bought for the lowest possible price he was on a hurried business trip looking up some details of a law case for his chiefs he would be back in new york in three days time and nothing would give him greater pleasure than to serve her 
his uncle knew one member of the firm who had to do with these carriages and could very possibly secure a reduction from the regular price if miss douglas would be at leisure that evening and would allow him he would call upon her and they could then arrange the entire matter one would have supposed that it might have troubled an honest young man to define what matters there were which needed any arrangement there seemed nothing left to be done but to transfer glyde's check to him but the young lady accepted his proposition with gratitude it did not even occur to the innocent creature that they had no known business which could occupy the evening but there is such a thing as manufacturing business that which these two evolved lasted for that entire evening and the next moreover on the afternoon of the second day they both made a somewhat extended call upon robbie on the third day mr burwell went back to new york to purchase the wonderful chair but he left interests of infinite importance to himself behind him he had secured from glyde permission to write to her not only concerning the chair but about the meetings at the mission where he was now a regular worker also he was to tell her of his new york boys who though not in the least like robbie were yet in sore need of help such help as she could give them if she would and girls too miss douglas he said earnestly why i know some poor girls in our mission who would feel that they had been introduced to the society of angels if they could have such an one as you for a friend he said nothing about a young man who might possibly have like views and glyde was far too much in earnest to even think of such an interpretation of his words she assured him that she would be only too glad to help his boys or his girls in any way that he thought she could and added that it was the work to which she wanted to give her life especially to help the class of girls of which he had just spoken robbie had taken many rides in his wonderful wheeled chair and more letters had passed between glyde and mr burwell than mrs douglas seemed to consider necessary when there occurred an event in the social world which placed all party lovers on the cavive of expectation it will be remembered that the schuyler farmhouse was large and roomy and most hospitably inclined also that there were gay young people there who knew how to entertain their friends and kept open house at all seasons of the year but perhaps once a year it might be in midwinter or at the opening of summer they varied as to seasons the family were in the habit of throwing open every room in their delightful old house and thronging the place with their friends not an ordinary party but a joyous old-fashioned time they had chosen for this year's festival the month of may mrs edmonds and marjorie had received invitations and were considering them among other matters of importance one of these was connected with their lodger in june mr maxwell's long holiday would be over he was going abroad for the summer months on business connected with his college and in the following october his work as a professor would commence again in earnest the question was should they try to let the room which he would so soon vacate there was no special need for this so far as the pecuniary side was concerned mrs edmonds though by no means a wealthy woman had enough prudently managed for herself and marjorie to live comfortably upon 
the room had been rented in the first place because they often felt lonely especially on winter nights and liked the thought of there being someone in the house to whom they could appeal if occasion offered now however they found that they shrank from having a stranger come into their home it would be a very different matter if we could keep mr maxwell said the mother thoughtfully we know him she seemed to forget that she had taken him as an utter stranger what do you think marjorie dear shall we go back to our old ways and get along alone or shall we let our friends know that we have a vacant room i don't know said marjorie a little wearily it is difficult to imagine just us two alone we have had a lodger so long at least it seems a very long time since mr maxwell came yes said mrs edmonds we shall miss him very much she was looking closely at her daughter with the keen vision of an anxious mother but the girl answered in a quiet unresponsive tone yes of course we shall but then i suppose we could take another stranger and get acquainted with him and plan to miss him she laughed a little drearily for the moment life looked to her like a long stretch of meeting and missing people suddenly she turned and looked steadily at her mother with a new light in her heart and shadowing her face they were like girls together people said she and her mother but of course they were not girls together and the mother's hair was turning gray she was a frail pale mother what if she should go away some day and leave marjorie alone the girl's heart seemed fairly to cease beating for a single moment then start afresh in unnatural thuds she was like robbie it seemed to her that she could not live without her mother make it the way which seems easiest for you mother she said earnestly i do not care which it is truly i don't so that you are comfortable if you feel lonely at the thought of our being the only ones in the house at night take another lodger by all means he may prove to be a second mr maxwell i suppose dear you would not feel like closing the house and going away anywhere else for the winter asked mrs edmonds hesitatingly for the moment marjorie forgot her desire that the mother should have exactly her way oh no she said hurriedly nor for the summer either if we can help it do let us stay at home i would rather be here than anywhere there is my class to be thought of and glides girls and our women who depend so much upon us besides this is our home mother yours and mine if we went away for a time we should only have to come back and that would make us feel more lonely than ever we ought to stay here oughtn't we we shall never have any other home you and i she had evidently given up all idea of any change of relations and had no dreams of a possible rich future such as most happy free-hearted girls indulge occasionally it hurt her mother to think that this one lamb of hers was growing old and dignified before her time hurt her so much that sometimes she could not keep the bitterness out of her heart when she thought of ralph bramlett why should such as he be permitted to shadow the life of a girl like her marjorie why did not marjorie see his worthlessness if she could but by some means be made to see him with her mother's eyes 
into the midst of this family council came mr maxwell with a note of invitation in his hand the schuylers have kindly remembered me also he said i have been too much engaged during the winter for enjoyments of this kind but i have met mr schuyler and was pleasantly impressed by him if i knew any intimate friends of mine who were going to spend an evening at his house soon so as to ensure a pleasant time for myself i think i might be induced to accept this invitation mrs edmonds met this with an appreciative laugh i shall be glad to secure you for an ally she said i have been trying to persuade marjorie to go the schuylers are very old friends of ours and it does not seem quite the courteous thing to decline an invitation of this character with no better excuse than we have marjorie is disposed to think that it will be too hard an evening for me to go so far and to be out of necessity quite late but i have assured her that i am entirely equal to an occasional dissipation of that sort if you can induce her to think well of it i shall be glad she would be more glad than she cared to express to mr maxwell being watchful and anxious she could not help knowing that while her daughter's face was uniformly sweet and quiet and her interest in the new duties and cares which she had taken upon herself sincere and pronounced yet she was by no means her old bright self this matter of steadily declining all invitations of a general character disturbed the mother she understood the subtle reason for it and knew there was danger that marjorie might grow morbidly sensitive in this direction as the years passed unless something occurred to change the current of her feelings she wondered if mr maxwell had a suspicion of her anxiety and was breaking through his usual habits for a purpose he had a curious way of seeming to know how people felt and thought without explanations of any sort it would not be the first time she reflected that he had come quietly to her aid unsuspected by marjorie it was fully determined that the invitation should be accepted and that the three should go in company marjorie having steadily and with a determined air negatived any suggestions looking to the release of her mother i do not care to go mother she said quietly and do not feel as you seem to that courtesy demands our presence but since you feel so i am willing to go with you not without you nevertheless it came to pass that such was not to be the arrangement on the afternoon of the gathering a near neighbor of theirs who was ill sent to know if mrs edmonds would be willing to spend the evening with her in her husband's enforced absence and as she had been quite ill and was nervous and had evidently set her heart upon having mrs edmonds and no one else for company that lady did not consider it right to offer a mere social engagement as an excuse for disappointing her it is not as though i really belonged to that part of the world she said smiling to marjorie you know my dear that it is only your fondness for having me with you that makes it important i shall not be missed nor thought about twice this evening except by your dear self and as mrs stuart really seems to cling to me i feel that i ought to stay don't you think so dear you have left nothing else for me to think said marjorie trying to smile she shrank to a degree that she did not herself understand 
from going to the schuylers without her mother yet as the idea seemed only absurd she felt compelled to do as she would not and in due course of time found herself journeying in mr maxwell's company over the road which was so familiar to her but which she had not traversed since that memorable november evening if mr maxwell remembered the same evening which was probable he made no sign but kept his companion's thoughts on the book which they had just read questioning and cross-questioning as to her knowledge of it so skilfully that marjorie was compelled to put aside memories and nervousness altogether and give undivided attention to the subject in hand if she would not disgrace her reputation as a listener End of chapter 27